Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. There is a type of psalm in the Bible that academics call imprecatory psalms. And the word imprecatory comes from imprecate, meaning to invoke a curse against someone. And often it seems really weird to us as Jesus followers. What do we do with these psalms that invoke curses and say weird and if not heinous stuff? Like today's psalm. Today's reading includes Psalm 109, which C.S. Lewis reflected upon as perhaps one of the worst of these imprecatory psalms. It's seriously heavy duty. But then, my friends, if you've paid attention to what happened in Israel the last few days, I hope you will understand why today's theme around this psalm is this. Sin, justice, evil, and innocent suffering only magnify the need for the return of the true king. And that, my friends, gets us to episode 2139. And I'm always amazed at how sometimes this just lines up perfectly. Today's little bit of our journey through the Bible together, when we just read through every single word, gets us to Psalm 109. And before we get there, right, since we're talking about considering our own life, our own stories in light of the big story, all of this, of course, comes back to Jesus. So in our New Testament segment, on the surface, this part of Matthew chapter 26 and 27 that we're in is about the horror of wickedness in the crucifixion of Jesus. And we seriously should be taken aback by the sin of those who rejected Christ. And this is a reminder of the darkness of our own hearts. My friends, the cross is significant, not ultimately because of the physical suffering that comes to mind because of Jesus, what he dealt with physically and bodily, um, even though that is part of what is essential to our salvation. It's ultimately significant. The cross is ultimately significant because of the spiritual realities that converged in this one moment in history. And it is this moment that we're reading about in today's New Testament passage that is the only reason that we have an answer for the spiritual mess, the spiritual war going on right now here on October 10th, 2023 in Israel. So my friends, I hope we do a serious inventory of our hearts here as we pick up in the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 26. And you recall that yesterday, we literally just heard all of the disciples vehemently deny that they would ever deny Jesus or fall away. We pick up at verse 36 on through to the end of this really long chapter. Here we go. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I, I, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. 
yet yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And Jesus came again and found them sleeping because they couldn't keep their eyes open. And after leaving them, he went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. And then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. While he was still speaking, Judas... One of the twelve suddenly arrived. A large mob with swords and clubs was with him uh, from the chief priests and elders of the people. And his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. So immediately Judas went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus asked him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came up, took hold of Jesus, and arrested him. At that moment, one of those with Jesus reached out his hand and drew his sword. He struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. But then Jesus told him, Put your sword back in its place, because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot call on my Father and he will provide me here and now with more than twelve legions of angels? How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day, every day, I used to sit teaching in the temple and you didn't arrest me. But all this has happened so that the writings of the prophets would be fulfilled and then all of the disciples deserted him and ran away. I'm going to pause right there. That's verse 56. We got a little, we have a bit to go. Notice here that we literally just picked up where they all vehemently denied that they would fall away. I would never fall away. If, even if it cost me my own life, I, I wouldn't desert you. But notice almost the irony in what Jesus just said to the crowds. God knows you better than you know you. Right? Every day I used to sit in the temple, you didn't arrest me. You weenies. That's what you that's you what you just want to say, right? <laughs> it's almost like you want just kind of want Jesus to go, you weenies. You hypocrites. I was sitting in the temple, you didn't arrest me, but why? Because you are of your father, the devil. I'm gonna continue here. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had convened. Peter was following him at a distance right to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting with the servants to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they couldn't find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. 
Finally, two came forward who stated, This man said, I can destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, You have said it. But I tell you, in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? See, now you've heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? And they answered him, He deserves death. And then they spat in his face and beat him. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah. Who was it that hit you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl approached him and said, You are with Jesus the Galilean too. But he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. And when he had gone out of the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again he denied it with an oath, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, You really are one of them, since even your accent gives you away. And then he started to curse and to swear with an oath, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. <sighs> My friend, that passage just slays me. And of course, I know you know where we're going to end up tomorrow. But think about today's theme. Sin, justice, evil, innocent suffering only magnify for the return of the true king. And you even heard Jesus speak to that today. So now as we turn to our Old Testament segment, perhaps ironically, we're in the section of Exodus that goes deeper as an explanation of the law, the Ten Commandments, this newly offered things. The Israelites are sitting at the mount at the foot of Mount Sinai. They've just received the Ten Commandments. And there's this, this deeper level of stuff, which, broadly speaking, sums up love God and love your neighbor. And so far, uh, this section after the Ten Commandments, we've heard laws that clarify things concerning worship and things like human relations and the difference between murder and manslaughter. And we, be, we began hearing about and now continue hearing about those concerning restitution. How do we make things right? And now today you're going to hear also about holiness and even social justice. We pick up today at Exodus chapter 22. And if you're newer around here, um, one of the things that I'm going to read uh, today are the little superscriptions or uh, headers in my CSB Bible. Not because that part of the original text, but because it will help break up this kind of sometimes heavier reading in a way that helps you understand what each section is about. Laws about theft. 
When a man steals an ox or a sheep and butchers it or sells it, he must repay five cattle for the ox or four sheep for the sheep. If a thief is caught in the act of breaking in and he's beaten to death, no one is guilty of bloodshed. But if this happens after sunrise, the householder is guilty of bloodshed. The thief must make full restitution. If he's unable, he is to be sold because of his theft. If what was stolen, whether an ox, donkey, or sheep, is found alive in his possession, he must repay double. Laws about crop protection. When a man lets a field or vineyard be grazed in and then allows his animals go and graze in someone else's field, he must repay with the best of his own field and vineyard. When a fire gets out of control, spreads to thorn bushes, and consumes stacks of cut grain, standing grain, or a field, the one who started the fire must make full restitution for what was burned. Laws about personal property. When a man gives his neighbor valuables or goods to keep, but they are stolen from that person's house, the thief, if cost, caught, must be repay double. If the thief is not caught, the owner of the house must present himself to the judges to determine whether or not he has taken his neighbor's property. In any case of wrongdoing involving an ox, donkey, sheep, garment, or anything else lost, and someone claims, hey, that's mine, the case between the two parties is to come before the judges, and the one the judges condemn must repay double to his neighbor. When a man gives his neighbor a donkey, ox, sheep, or any other animal to care for, but it dies, is injured, or is stolen, while no one is watching, there must be an oath before the Lord between the two of them to determine whether or not the prop, uh, he has taken his neighbor's property. Its owner must, must accept the oath, and the other man does not have to make restitution. But if, in fact, the animal was stolen from his custody, he must make restitution to its owner. If it was actually torn apart by a wild animal, he's to actually bring it as evidence. He does not have to make restitution for the torn carcass. When a man borrows an animal from his neighbor and it is injured or dies while its owner is not there with it, the man must make full restitution. If its owner is there with it, the man does not have to make restitution. If it was rented, the loss is covered by its rental price. Laws about seduction. If a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged and he sleeps with her, he must certainly pay the bridal price for her to be his wife. If her family absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must pay an amount in silver equal to the bridal price for virgins. Capital offenses do not allow a sorceress to live. Whoever has sexual intercourse with an animal must be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any gods except the Lord alone is to be set apart for destruction. Next section, laws concerning the protecting the vulnerable. You must not exploit a resident alien or oppress him, since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. You must not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them, they will no doubt cry to me, and I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will burn, and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows, and your children will be fatherless. If you lend silver to my people, to the poor person among you, you must not be like a creditor to him. You must not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's cloak as collateral, return it to him before sunset, for it is his only covering. It is the clothing for his body. What will he sleep in? And if he cries out to me, I'll listen to him, because I am gracious 
Next section, respect for God. You must not blaspheme God or curse a leader among your people. You must not hold back offerings from your harvest or your vats. Give me the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your flock and your cattle. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but on the eighth day you are to give them to me. Be my holy people. You must not eat the meat of a mauled animal found in the field. Throw it to the dogs. Laws about honesty and justice. You must not spread a false report. Do not, my friends, does that, that's uh, Exodus 23, verse 1. Does that speak to our current political situation? I mean, we just are in this world where not only do we expect people to lie, it's like, why do we just expect it? It's just, why is it okay? It's not okay. There will be justice. Okay, I'm going to get off my high horse. You must not spread a false report. Do not join the wicked to be a malicious witness. You must not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. Do not testify in a lawsuit or go along with a crowd to pervert justice. Do not show favoritism to a poor person in his lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's stray ox or donkey, you must return it to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you, lying helpless under its load and you want to refrain from helping it, you must help with it. I'm just going to say that again. You don't want to help the donkey of someone who hates you. You should do it anyway. This is God's command. Crazy idea, huh? You must not deny justice to a poor person among you in his lawsuit. Stay far away from a false accusation. Do not kill the innocent and the just because I will not justify the guilty. You must... Not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and corrupts the words of the righteous. You must not oppress the resident alien. You yourselves know how it feels to be a resident alien because you were a resident alien in the land of Egypt. And that gets us up through 23 verse 9. And I just got to say this, my friends. Um, the law all of like this stuff that we've been reading should drive us to Jesus, right? Because it is Jesus that empowers us for obedience. And no, we don't have to obey the Old Testament law, or I should say we obey the, the moral law that has been consistent in all times and all places. But if these laws demonstrate ways in which Israel was to live out the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, then we can make the same application again. We cannot keep God's law like they couldn't. My friends, sin, justice, evil, innocent suffering, they only magnify the need for the return of the true king. So what is the true king going to do? going to put all things right, including especially perfect justice, which means grace is a beautiful thing. So Psalm 109 is going to take us probably well over what would be our normal episode. But I want you to listen to this because I want you to think about how, who God is and how we should respond to God. Psalm 109 for the choir director, a Psalm of David. God of my praise, do not be silent. For wicked and deceitful mouths open up against me. They speak against me with lying tongues. 
They surround me with hateful words and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me. But I continue to pray. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my love. Set a wicked person over him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he's judged, let him be found guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. Let his days be few. Let another take over his position. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children wander as beggars, searching for food far from their demolished homes. Let a creditor seize all he has. Let strangers plunder what he has worked for. Let no one show him kindness. Let no one be gracious to his fatherless children. Let the line of his descendants be cut off. Let their name be blotted out in the next generation. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. And do not let his mother's sin be blotted out. Let their sins always remain before the Lord and let him remove all memory from the, of, of them from the earth. For he did not think to show kindness, but pursued. He pursued the suffering needy and brokenhearted in order to put them in death. He loved cursing. Let it fall on him. He took no delight in blessing, so let blessing be far from him. He wore cursing like his coat. Let it enter his body like water and go into his bones like oil. Let it be like a robe he wraps around himself, like a belt he always wears. Let this be the Lord's repayment to my accusers, to those who speak evil against me. But you, Lord, my Lord, deal kindly with me for your name's sake, for your name's sake. Because your faithful love is good, rescue me, for I am suffering and needy. My heart is wounded within me. I fade away like a lengthening shadow, and I'm shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak from fasting, and my body is emaciated. I've become an object of ridicule to my accusers, and when they see me, they shake their heads in scorn. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your faithful love, so that they may know that this is your hand, that you, Lord, have done it. Though they curse, you will bless. When they rise up, they will be put to shame, but your servant will rejoice. My accusers will be clothed with disgrace. They will wear their shame like a cloak. I will fervently thank the Lord with my mouth. I will praise him in the presence of many, for he stands at the right hand of the needy to save him from those who would condemn him. My friend, I know we're a couple minutes over, but if you were to go back and analyze this psalm, it's like, and say, what does this mean for us? We should pour out our hearts to God we should give our enemies over to God and we should appeal to and rest in the character of God. Sin, justice, evil, and innocent suffering only magnify the need for the return of the true king. My friends, trust Jesus. I love you, my friends. Amen. Sorry I went long today. A little passionate about all this 
I love you. Amen. Amen.